This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this video edition of the ACB Advocacy Update. Uh, this conversation will be a short but sweet. We've got some exciting news to share and an introduction to make here at the American Council of the Blind. Leading this conversation, I am one of your hosts, Clark Rockfall, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. And I am Swatha Nandakumar, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. And thank you to everyone who is joining us on social media with the our, our video audience, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, YouTube, and, and wherever else our social media, uh, Swiss Army Knife, Kelly Gask, our communication specialist is sharing this video, as well as those listening on ACB Media, as well as via your favorite podcast player. As always, you can learn more about ACB by visiting our website, acb.org. And relevant for this conversation, as we are talking with ACB's new audio description project coordinator. You can learn more about ACB's audio description project by visiting adp.acb.org. So earlier this year, uh, ACB announced, and we are excited to welcome as the ADP coordinator, Tabitha Kenlon. Tabitha, good morning. Hello. Good morning, Clark. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And Tabitha, how are you doing on this uh, slightly cold and dreary, but warmer than usual January day? I'm okay. I've had a little cold, but um, I'm, I'm dealing with it. And I'm just concentrating on getting settled into ACB and finding my way around the virtual corridors. And Tabitha, many folks at ACB know you, uh, but there are likely still many that do not. So will you share with us a little bit about how you personally got involved with the American Council of the Blind? Well, I knew that the ACB existed for a while because my mother is blind and I would hear her talk about it. And in September-ish of 2020, she told me that the ACB was doing these amazing community calls and she thought I might be interested. And of course, since the suggestion came from my mother, I didn't look at it immediately because, you know, what do moms know? Um, <laughs> but I finally got around to looking at it. And of course, my mother was right. I was interested. Um, so I started attending uh, some of the calls and I started in October of 2020, my very own reading discussion group. Um, and since then, we have met, I think, just about every week um, for you know about two and a half years. We did miss 
a couple sessions during convention and we missed once when I was in Dublin and forgot about the time change, <laughs> missed my own group. Uh, but we have uh, focused mainly on 18th century literature. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And then in February of 21, I started a disability studies reading group and we meet monthly to discuss books that address disability from personal, political and cultural perspectives. And um, that has also been really great. So I'm already a fan of, of ACB before I joined officially. Tabitha, what was it about the the community that took you from, I guess, just learning about it to pretty quickly jumping in and hosting community calls on, on light topics like 18th century literature? <laughs> well, who doesn't love a little Jane Austen? Come on. Um, <laughs> Well, part of it was that I was um, in withdrawal. Um, my previous job was as a professor of English at a university in Dubai, and I had uh, left that job in 2020. And it turns out that that was not the best time to look for a new job. So I kind of had time on my hands while I was looking for a new job. And I missed teaching. I missed um, talking to people about interesting intellectual things. And um, I often read Persuasion by Jane Austen in the autumn because it's just an autumnal book. And it's, it's my favorite by her and one of my favorite books ever. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I'm not the only one who would enjoy reading this book and talking about it. So I, you know, took the took the plunge and posted the information about the the call and people showed up <laughs> like great and they kept coming back so um so we just keep talking about every 18th century book that we can find in an accessible format all right last question for me before i let swatha take over mm -hmm. here do you and your mom attend the same community events <laughs> Or no. is she is she a participant in your led community events? <laughs> no, bless her heart. Um, no, <laughs> um, she uh, she and I are um, we have we have different um, interests, but you know she is very supportive, and um, both of my parents are 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 very proud of me. And um, when the the job was announced, you you my uh, joining ACB officially was announced in the community call, call schedule. My mom shared that with my dad and my dad was just like, you're famous. <laughs> I'm like, okay, dad. Um, but they did, I did a, a virtual book launch and they both did attend that um, very quietly. So. Awesome. So I'm also a fan of literature and books. Um, so I'm glad that I'm talking now about that. Um, and you mentioned like being in Dubai and Dublin as well. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background and personally. Okay. Um, well, I'll give you the short version. Um, my most recent job was as an assistant professor of English at a university in Dubai. And I was there for six years. And before that, I was doing my PhD at Northeastern University in Boston. So a total of 12 years teaching. 
And before those things, I was mostly kind of doing marketing, publicity, copywriting for um, various organizations, um, including uh, New York City Opera, which sadly no longer exists. But um, that was, um, you know, one one time that I really got to um, indulge in my artistic leanings. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I did my first master's uh, in theater at King's College London and the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. So I, I do have that that sort of, you know, artsy background there. Um, but after I left the university in Dubai in 2020 and, um, yeah, <laughs> faced quite a daunting job market, um, I decided to be a student again and I got a second master's. Um, and that's what took me to Dublin. Um, I was at University College Dublin and I did a master's in international relations. And I finished that in August of last year, 22. Nice. So what was, what was Dublin like and Dubai like? I mean, I've been there, but those are really cool. Uh, they're very different. <laughs> um, it was funny because you know, I spent six years in Boston, um, which was the farthest north I had ever lived. And then immediately after that, I moved to Dubai, which is quite warm. <laughs> and um, I think the most surprising thing about Dubai was how humid it was. Um, but it, it is right on the coast. And so particularly during the summer months, um, you just get a lot of, of humidity. So that was... Um, that was interesting, but it it was it was a um, yeah it was an interesting place to live, and it was a great experience. I got to do a lot of travel, and um, you know I would have classes where no two students came from the same country. You know, so it was by far the most diverse place that I've ever lived and worked, and and that was you know really great to to get all of those different. Um, perspectives and experiences and, um, you know, talk to people about their lives and kind of, you know, the similarities and the differences. Um, so that was, that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then Dublin was, um, was nice, a lot less hot. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they, um, my, I had friends who would, uh, get all exasperated when it was 75 degrees outside, you know, and I'm like, um, guys, <laughs> like, this is winter in, in Dubai and other places that I've lived. Um, but, um, but it was nice. It was, um, it was a lot more walkable. Um, so I, I got to, uh, I started using a cane, um, when I, when I lived in Dublin. So I got to practice my, my cane skills, um, in a, a pretty walkable city. And um, and the support that I had there was was really good. So it was overall a, a really nice experience. That sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun. Just kind of one experience there. Um, back to you, Clark. Thanks, Watha. Uh, Tabitha, your thesis when you were working on your master's in Dublin was on the implementation of the Marrakesh Treaty. That is something that ACB members uh, fought long and hard for here in the United States, the, the ratification of the Marrakesh Treaty to be able to access uh, accessible uh, materials uh, across international borders. Do you mind just sharing pretty quickly on uh, what you learned and what your conclusion was about the the implementation of the Marrakesh Treaty. I love that you gave me a time limit there. That was wise. <laughs> 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 I could clamber up on that soapbox and and dig in. 
Um, yeah, so you know, obviously the Marrakesh Treaty um, is is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, you know that it is meant to just hugely um, expand access to published materials for people who are print disabled for a variety of reasons, you know, visual or um, or otherwise. Uh, so the the goals are are admirable. Um, there, I think anyone involved with it would tell you there's still work to be done in the the implementation. And, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of, um, and, and this is something that has come up frequently in my book groups, you know, as we've looked for books to read, um, and I have members who are in the US and in Canada. So I'm always kind of checking, oh, and, um, and the UK. Um, so I'm always kind of checking, you know, multiple uh, national libraries to see if everyone has access to to the same material, and we quite often don't. And I think there's people would like if Marrakesh had just thrown open all the doors of all the libraries, you know, and we just had like one global library where we could borrow whatever we wanted from whatever country we wanted. But that's not the way it is. There are still you know channels and agreements, and um, you know you have to make requests and um, a lot of times and wait and things like that. So um, I, you know, I, I, the spirit is great, and a lot of people are still working really hard to um, to make it it meet its its ultimate goal. Um, but uh, there's there's still some work to be done. Yes, and and from one form of. Uh, accessible materials to another, going from uh, accessible uh, print publications mm -hmm. to accessible uh, media, video media, uh, entertainment, and other forms of content. Here we are now with ACV's audio description project and you as the ADP coordinator. So what was it that drew you to uh, the position within ACB uh, to apply for and ultimately become the audio description project coordinator. Uh, well, you halfway answered it there. Um, just the the idea of um, of expanding accessibility um, and you making more content available to people. Um, one thing that I came across when I was researching my master's was well. I already knew about it, but the, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities and a very, what to me, a very key component of that document is the idea of social inclusion. So obviously education and employment opportunities are crucial, but that social inclusion component, I think, is, is also really, really vital. Um, so, you know, having access to the same information and entertainment content that everyone has at as equal a level as possible, um, you know, that was something that that I felt I could kind of, you know, understand from initially from the book perspective, but also from the film perspective. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I thought, well, I maybe I can help. <laughs> so I applied. <laughs> Tabitha, uh, you mentioned from the book perspective, from the film perspective, but you also bring a stage perspective uh, to this role as well. Can you share a little bit about your background um, in the performing arts? 
Yeah. So I love theater and, and classical music. My dad started taking me and my siblings to, um, to classical music performances when I, I mean, I think it was like seven or something really little, which, um, you know, was great. It just really built that foundation. And, um, so yeah, so I did the master's in theater and, um, you know, I, I used to make, you know, pre pre COVID, I would make, a an annual pilgrimage to to the West End in London and see as much theater as I could. And I was really lucky actually when I was there in January of 2020. I think I saw three shows, three or four shows in you know three days. Um and um and my my eye condition is degenerative. So my ability to see clearly what's going on on stage has has declined. Um and you know I was attending some of these performances with friends who would kind of tell me um, if something really important happened, such as in, um, I think it was, yeah, it was As You Like It, uh, Shakespeare performed by the, the Royal Shakespeare Company. Um, there, They had a, a visually impaired actor on stage. And um, so my friend had to tell me, she's like, oh, wait, I think she's using a cane. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and um, so I, I, I got a little teary. <laughs> Um, just, just knowing that, um, you know, that they were doing, um, you know, that kind of inclusion on stage. So I think having the inclusion, you know, for the audience members as well, um, to, to get those audio described performances is, is something that I'm definitely excited about because I didn't honestly really know that it existed. I knew that movie theater audio description existed and then through streaming services, I knew that you could access it that way, but I didn't really know that, um, theater was was part of that so um, it is exciting to to see that and hopefully be a part of promoting and and advocating and making that a bit more common yeah that really speaks to why reputation matters and why like seeing seeing yourself on stage on in a film and films is so important for for anyone for any any minority so Yes, and, and Tabitha, I, I like how you often phrase it that the, the audio description project and, and this role kind of marries several of those passions, right? The the arts, advocacy, and accessibility. Yes, uh, so my that's three A's. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good things come in threes. Yeah. So Swatha, any additional questions for Tabitha? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you mentioned like this role and your background and all that um so what are your hopes and dreams for the role like what do you expect what do you want to like accomplish or be part of in this role what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do what do you dreams dreams for the position race to be oh i want to make everything accessible all the time <laughs> <laughs> <Good company. laughs> yeah. and join us in uh, uh excuse me join us in tabitha's second quarter video podcast to see uh, what hopes and dreams she's accomplished by that <laughs> three months that's the that's the timeline wow that's my deadline yeah. okay. <laughs> fortunately i'm surrounded by a lot of really wonderful people who can uh, you know help that it's really amazing what the project has accomplished so far um so right now i'm very much in in just you know still learning um what what's out there but um i think there are truly even more great things to come. Yes, I I think so. I, I hope so. And I think on, on behalf of all of ACB, certainly the ACB staff, we are very excited uh, for you 
to join our team for you to help us uh, you know, chart this path forward, uh, this path of growth and expansion for the audio description project. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And Tabitha, if there are members or members of the audio description project that would like to connect with you, we know that they can visit the, the adp.acb.org website for the audio description project. Um, but what's the best way for folks to contact you over email? Uh, my email address is t-k-e-n-l-o-n at acb.org. And I should say thank you to everyone who has already reached out and welcomed me. It's it's been really nice to to start my first day with um with welcomes and congratulations from friends and strangers alike. It's it's been a it's been really lovely. Great. And and thank you everyone for tuning in for this quick episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. Uh, we look forward to the year ahead. Uh, for the audio description project and the rest of the programs for the American Council of the Blind. And we will close out, uh, we, we can make it specific to audio description, but it's it's all of the advocacy work we do. So Swatha. Keep advocating. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www acbminnesota.org or call 612-223-5543. ACBM, a supporter of the ACB Media Network.